everyone. Welcome back to JCM Prepare the Way. My name is Carol and I just want to thank you all for tuning in today because I'm actually super excited for this episode. I am up here in Alaska visiting my oldest sister, Karen. So say hi, Karen. Hello there. (laughs) (laughs) And um, Mallory is still enjoying her sweet babies. I think she's going to be coming back soon to the podcast. But in the meantime, I get to be blessed with this special, awesome, wonderful guest. And um, I flew in yesterday, but uh, we have had some great conversations (laughs) and so much fun. And actually, one of those conversations is the topic of our podcast today. But before we get to that, I want you to share a little bit about yourself and what you do up here. Okay, thank you, Carol. Well, I am Carol's oldest sister, Karen, and we had 11 kids in our family. I married a wonderful man named Carl. We've been married almost 50 years, traveled extensively, love the Lord, filled with the Spirit, and just follow him wherever he wants us to go. So we're here in Alaska. My husband came up. He was running for the U.S. Senate, and so we stayed, and here we are. And we are enjoying it. The people here are beautiful. We uh, found some beautiful, uh, loving people that love the Lord with all their heart, that want to seek his face always. And so we're in some really wonderful groups, including the First Nations people. It is just an exciting time uh, and a challenging time for the body of Christ. And it's important for us to stay together. It is. And Uh, You had shared a story, actually. Karen's been telling me about Alaska for a couple years now. You've just been blown away at what God is doing up here. And you can feel it, too, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But you were sharing something to give an example of the First Nations people, something about a mountain. Oh, yes, this was exciting. Uh, There was uh, uh, a a native uh, man, First Nations man, um, very precious, uh, loves the Lord, this group. And uh, they had so many drug issues and suicides here. That happens a lot in these uh, remote remote places with these people. And, of course, all over. It's just devastating, right? So uh, there was a mountain that was named up here in Alaska. And it's been called this for as long as they could remember. But it was called Suicide Mountain. Ooh. Yeah, and so this particular gentleman, he just, it would burden his heart because the Native people, the First Nations groups that love the Lord, they would cover all these mountains in intercession for the state of Alaska, for the people, for this uh, uh, last frontier, um, and the nations. That's Mm -hmm. where they go up to pray. And so he put in, he wanted to change the name of that mountain to speak life to speak life back into Alaska and that these children could live. So he decided to put in for that, and he called the name of the mountain Heaven's Breath. And it passed? And it passed. In fact, the day, two days before it passed, I was going to intercessory prayer, and the neatest thing was is the Lord said, I want you to speak over the mountains. So as I was praying, he called out Mount Zion, and then in Israel, and then he called out Heaven's Breath. He oh. says, pray for heaven's breath. Pray for my breath to breathe upon these slain that they wow. may live. And I said, oh, Lord, yes, that's what it's going to be changed to. He says, no, it's already changed. Wow. And two days later, it was changed. 
They got wow. they got that changed and passed. And so that's the prophecy up here that the I spirit is doing a mighty work up here, restoring and I bringing families and people back together and back to Christ. Yeah, I've been so energized by your stories, too. It's just so inspiring because sometimes when you labor in prayer and labor, yeah. labor, labor, labor for so many things, um, it's nice to, to get a shot in the arm by listening to what he's doing in other areas with people. And, um, and for those of you who might be new to our podcast, or maybe you're new in the faith, um, when Karen's talking about the Lord speaking to her, it's, it's not audible, but it's by the spirit of God. And that's, you know, because he does speak to us, Mm -hmm. you know, we are joined to the Lord. And so he speaks to us spirit to spirit. Mm -hmm. And so I just love that. It's so inspiring to me. And especially at a time when our government just is, I don't know, it's just they're passing so many things that are heartbreaking as a believer. And to hear something inspiring like that is really, really positive. It's very refreshing. And so thank you for sharing that. And Karen, also, you're a prophetic artist. And I think we're going to do a second podcast. Um, Today we're talking about communion. Um, And we're going to get into that in just a second, but we're going to do a second one on the blood of Christ because Karen has this amazing, amazing piece of art called the lion and the lamb. And a lot of you in Colorado have been (laughs) buying those prints, Um, but it shows the whole, um, the bloodline of Christ from the very beginning, all the way to Genesis, all the way into the book of Revelation. And you're going to walk us through that in the next podcast. So even though you can't see the print itself, what we'll probably do is maybe post it on our website and maybe people will be be able to purchase the print if they want. But I really want you to share that story of the lion and the lamb. You did that at our retreat last year too. Yes. And it was powerful. It's so powerful. Yes, it is really powerful. And uh, I would like to to speak just on that for for a second. I do remember when God had me paint that. And I remember, you know, in my heart, I was thinking, oh my goodness, he wants me to paint this lion and this lamb. And I heard he is the lion of the tribe of Judah and the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. That's all Mm. in the Bible. And so I thought, oh, I'm done. And then he said, no, I want you to tell my story. So he had me paint little pictures all the way around it about his promise of redemption. And it's powerful. Save it for the next podcast because it is so powerful. Okay. And, uh, but you are an amazing, amazing artist. As I look in your house right now, and one of your latest paintings is hanging on the wall of actually the topic of what we're talking about today. And it's a, it's this amazing print, uh, image, not print, of um, Christ, but he's, he's hanging over uh, the door that's in Exodus 12 when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt. And uh, when God wanted them to paint the blood, which we're going to talk about, on the door so the angel of death and and all that could pass over the blood. And you have this incredible depiction of it in this piece of art that I'm looking at right now. But it's Christ over that door because Christ is the door. And he shed his own blood instead of the lamb from Exodus. Anyway, we're getting ready to go into all that. But so I'm excited to have you as our guest. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Well... I want to start because I flew in and you took me to your Bible study group. Yes. And which was great. It was so great. They just hop on the piano and start worshiping. <laughs> I just loved it. It was so awesome. And his views, the gentleman's views of the mountains was spectacular. I mean, and your views of are spectacular. 
but it's what happened at the end last night. So your group was doing communion and which was precious. Yes. And, um, but the gentleman whose house it was at, um, he had been quiet all night. And then all of a sudden he did this impromptu, powerful teaching on communion. But he started with a question and he said, when was the first communion? You remember him saying that? I don't remember him oh, saying that. He said, when was the first communion? And then several of us were looking at each other and he goes, it was in the Garden of okay. Eden. And yes. that's how he started the okay. thing. And, um, and he began to talk about this perfect union that God had in the Garden of Eden. Because, uh, and I think you're going to go into that in a second. But, and so he's talking about this perfect union, this perfect communion that he had with his creation. But then how that communion that union was broken and so we spend a big chunk of the bible um going through the different ways god was trying to restore that communion ultimately ending up in jesus and so can you um so what happened after that you and i came home yeah even though we were exhausted yes <laughs> and we sat up late and we I mean, the Spirit of God was downloading so much to us last night. I don't even know if we can capture it all in this podcast, but it was so powerful. We talked about this for quite a while. And so we thought this would be like a fun podcast. So. Yeah, this is really good. And Carol touched on it already, um, that the first uh, communion was actually in the Garden of Eden, like she said. And we got to thinking about that because we're going to go into communion and what Jesus said in the upper room about his body. And this is why we realized that what this person was saying was that Jesus, our Lord, God himself, Elohim, had communion in the garden with Adam and Eve mm. when he created them. He created them for fellowship, for intimacy, for communion, mm. to be his and them and them belong to, to him and him them. And that precious communion was so priceless. I mean, he even went to say, let us make man in our image. And he created them, Adam, male and female, he created them. And then the Lord had this beautiful time always communing with Adam and Eve in the garden. Well, that communion through sin was broken. And from the time of the garden incident where sin had crept in and destroyed that communion between God and man, the Lord had a plan set in place to restore that. And that's where we want to go today with all of that. So when the Lord, that communion was absolutely, think about this. The communing is to abide, to abide with someone, in someone. You are communing with them. You're spending time with them. You're always with them. That's the, the word with that. And that was perfect because Adam and Eve were a perfect body. They were perfect with God, and he was their covering. And when that was broken, 
then what happened was they were expelled from that garden and life as they knew it was completely shattered. It was not perfect anymore. And so there had to be a plan for their redemption. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Christ, of course, we know and learn became that plan ultimately. But before that, uh, it started after the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, right? And so, so this week is we're, is Holy Week, yes, right? And yes. so we have Easter on Sunday mm-hmm. for Christians. It's mm-hmm. Passover uh, starting today yes. for Jewish, the Jewish people, and that's for a week. And because it, it's Passover, unleavened bread, and feast of first fruit, everyone just calls it Passover. Mm-hmm. But that starts uh, today, and um, but it's the Holy Week for Christians too. So leading into Easter, but and so I think the thing that a lot of people um, they might know about Christ, and they know about uh, like the Last Supper and and him going to the cross and shedding his blood, but that whole picture is a fulfillment of a shadow of something that took place in the Old Testament in one of those in the attempt to restore communion. Yes. So the first Passover actually, because Jesus is called our Passover lamb, but Passover was instituted in Exodus 12. And what was happening was, and many of you know the story, but let me just recap for those who don't. The Israelites had been in bondage Uh, in enslavement in Egypt for 400 years. And so they were under the oppression of Pharaoh and that whole system. And so everything they knew was brick making. Everything they knew was this this anti-God system. That's what they were living in. Well, after 400 years, God heard the cries of his people. And through a series of plagues, plagues that targeted different gods in the Egyptian empire, ultimately uh, going after the sun god, of course, which would have been Pharaoh. Um, The last and final plague was the death of a firstborn. And whether the firstborn of Pharaoh or the firstborn of a person living there or the firstborn of even the cattle, it was a last and final plague. God was showing himself and revealing himself to the people that were enslaved there. And Moses was bringing the message that he was going to, God was going to be bringing them out of this system, bringing them out of this bondage. And Pharaoh is a type of Satan for future. In fact, if you read the book of Revelation, it's actually basically a whole reenactment of what's going to take place again, but it's going to be in a larger exodus with people God's people going into the eternal promised land I can't get into that right now but it's powerful but anyway so there so Moses brings this message God's about to deliver his people out of this bondage out of this evil ruler out from under all this sin all this defilement all this ick right but this last and final plague has to come and in order for people to be saved from this last plague, from from the angel of death not to touch their family. He gave them kind of an odd thing to do. If mm-hmm. people read the Bible, they think some people think it's kind of odd, but mm-hmm. he took, he had them take uh, the blood of a lamb of the first year who had to be spotless without blemish, and they had to sacrifice this lamb 
on the eve of this plague when this and they had to put the the lamb's blood on the door on all the lintels of the door so that when the angel of death came if it saw the blood it would pass over the blood and so the people in the house come up under that blood but they had to apply the blood on the door you couldn't just sacrifice the lamb and do nothing with the blood you had to apply it and so it became this night that God wanted commemorated every single year called Passover. Passover is only 24 hours, but Passover where God would pass over his judgments on people if they were covered by the blood. And that's how it all started. And so for every year from that moment, there's so much more to the story, but staying with the focus of communion, Every year from that moment, God commanded his people to commemorate that event. And so it became Passover. And included in that, of course, like I said, is unleavened bread and first fruits. And so every year that was the whole thing. And this whole sacrificial system was created in order for people to to have that communion with God again. Because every time they sinned, it yes. separated them from God. Yes. It did. And actually that word um, sacrifice is in the Hebrew means to draw near. So yes. the whole point of sacrificing an animal and the shedding of blood was so that God could draw near to his people and they to him. And so this was the system that was in place that we read about in the whole Old Testament until all of a sudden Jesus comes. And now Jesus, he's identified as this Passover lamb one day when this when his cousin John the Baptist is in the river and says behold the, the lamb, lamb of god, god who takes away the sins of the world yes and all of a sudden this whole new thinking came in of what is he talking about as they're looking at Jesus right there now all of a sudden god came up with not came up with God's perfect answer to restore communion, the fulfillment was here. Yes. Yes, Carol, wow, that is so good. You know, I, I want to reflect back in the Garden of Eden, you know, when that was all broken and things were shattered because the Lord immediately, uh, he made a promise with Adam and Eve. He started it there that he was going to send the seed, the Savior, that would restore all this back to them again. But it wouldn't look the same. It was going to be a brand new thing that he was going to do by God sending his very son, the Lamb of God. Well, the beauty of it is that when Christ came, now was the time because it said that at the appointed time, the Lord came. He came for what? To restore us back to himself. To restore all mankind from this brokenness of this world of sin. And to forgive them through the blood that was shed for us. For that salvation. And so it was just amazing at this time. That's what he did. So we're going to share a little bit about well, that. And so now no more would they need to yes. sacrifice all these lambs every year or at any time because now Jesus was going to be the perfect lamb and his blood shed would be a once and for all thing. Yes, absolutely. So can you imagine? That's why this is so important. This is what they call the good news. Right, right. 
So now, like right now, we are in the week of Passover, this holy week, this week leading into Easter, right? And Jesus becomes this fulfillment, the fullness of what happened all the way back in Exodus 12. He is now the perfect deliverer. In Exodus 12, four days before Passover, they were to select their lamb, and their lamb was to be a lamb of the first year, and he was to be a lamb without spot and blemish. And they were to select this lamb four days before Passover and bring it into their home, right? Right. Well, what happened? Who was Jesus? Jesus is the firstborn of God, this lamb of the first year. He was also the lamb that was found to be without spot and blemish because the night that he was arrested, he was examined to the full by all of the religious leaders and they found him without fault. But not only that, four days before Passover, what we consider uh, Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday is when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, just as the lambs in Exodus 12 were selected and brought into the house of the people, right? Jesus rides into Jerusalem and what does he do? He spends all the time in his father's house. He's the lamb that was selected four days before Passover. And, yes. and as you begin to read this whole story of Jesus and what took place in his life leading into Passover and what took place with the lamb in Exodus 12, yes, it's remarkable. It even, even the very time he got nailed to the cross, matches when the lamb had to be slain in Exodus 12. But before we even get to all that, we're all, you know, we're talking about communion. So now on that, on that Passover Eve, which in, in Hebraic thinking, it's sundown to sundown. It's not like morning to night, like we think. So it's sundown, which begins Passover to sundown the next day, which ends Passover, right? Right. So they're now at the upper room and they are having the last supper. And then what took place? Well, what's really interesting is, first of all, I love that he invited those that he was communing with. He loved them so much. His disciples. His disciples, yes. And they all gathered there together. And he was literally showing them that he was the Passover lamb. And remember... The Passover was about uh, being passed over from death. And so Jesus was now going to demonstrate communion with his disciples. And I'll read that here. In Luke 22:14, it says, When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I love that it says the fervent desire I have that that I've desired this. Well, why would he desire it? Because he knew what he was going to do. This was going to reverse everything that ever happened to break that covenant communion from the very Garden of Eden. Which is why he says, Paul's letters, uh, the joy that was set, set before, before him, him because the redeemed that the communion would be restored, and that's what mattered. That's what that's what mattered. That is what mattered. And you know, it's funny. I know this is a little off on that, but it's funny how 
when I when Isaac went up the mountain with Abraham and God wanted him to demonstrate uh, the sacrifice of his first and only son. And I was thinking about this last night. Abraham already knew that God was going to bring the promised land and that they would be a great nation, right? Mm -hmm. So he knew that he could resurrect Isaac, right? But he went to obey God and God used it to test him. And what I loved about it is he was demonstrating a future event that would be the lamb himself, Jesus, coming as the one and only son of the father. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Which I love, too, because it was a ram in the thicket that yeah. made his way up to that thicket. And think of the thicket. It's like thorns. It's thorns. Yes. And that and ram. was caught in the thorns. And it's that ram is a father. That is yes. a father of a lamb. So the father was demonstrating what his son would do. And Jesus only did what his father told him to do. Told him to mm -hmm. do. And it's funny because Isaac's name means laughter. Mm -hmm. For the joy that was set before, before him, him, which was Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a little throw yeah, in, but I, I like was that. thinking of that and I like that. But back here to the upper room, I love it. Um, he says... I, um, for I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So the Lord had this desire to eat the Passover lamb. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we were thinking about this, that God broke. He was demonstrating that his body would be broken and distributed among the people, among the nations, for them to eat this bread of life so that they would be saved and totally made brand new and restored because full payment would have been made and reconciliation for us to have communion with him again. So he said, do this in remembrance of me. And that's what he was talking about. Go back to the garden. Go back to the examples of Exodus of what happened and why I've come. And it's to bring complete communion that my body is broken for you, so your body will be made whole. Yeah, it's restoring that perfection that they had in the garden. And here's what I find amazing too, Karen. If you go into Exodus 12, to that first Passover, what was yeah. God's command? He told them to roast the lamb and eat the whole thing. Yes. Head, legs, the innards nothing of the lamb was to remain because and when you go fast forward to Jesus yes what are we to do eat his body, body. drink his blood yes. not his physical body but it is to receive Jesus fully, fully the whole entire person of Jesus the moment that we recognize him as that lamb that takes away our sin yes as that savior the only person who can redeem our soul 
that we then take him in fully. That's why the Bible says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. When we join ourselves to Christ, we become one. His He comes to live by his spirit yes. within us. Yes. The lamb is just like they ingested the whole lamb. We ingest the, the whole, whole person lamb. of Jesus exactly. by his spirit. And that is what we then live from. And so we are living now joined to Jesus, which that word joined is like cement. We are now one spirit with him. Yes. We have him fully within us. And yes. that he's such a fulfillment <laughs> of this Passover, this first Passover lamb. It is so powerful of a picture. And, um, and I just love this whole week for that oh, very reason. I do too. And you know, in Hebrews, it says that we don't need the blood of goats and lambs anymore mm-hmm. because Christ became our Passover lamb and he made one sacrifice forever, one time. That's it. So all of us now look, think about the shattered body. The body was splintered and shattered and broken. We are that body. We are Christ's body. Each one of us is a member of his body. And when we give ourselves wholly to him and receive that eternal life that he bought back for us once and for all, we have become totally not restored, but brand new. New creations. Creation was perfect in the beginning, but now he's making the body new. New. In him, though. Yes. In him. And so that is why it says, in him we live and move and And have have our our being. being. Amen. Because we are nothing apart from that. We have no communion apart from Christ. We have We're doing everything on our own, separate from him, and it doesn't work that way. Right, right. You know, and that's what's so powerful about all of this, because at the end of the day, when you go back to the garden, it was all about God's intimacy with his creation. That's what's got to be intimate. intimate. And that's what it's got to become with Jesus again. Right. It's in, Communion is intimacy. That's right. why we abide in him. Right. And I always like to think of abide, it's like the sap of a tree. Right, right. Everything has to flow freely without blockages, without any type of obstruction. And Christ does that for us. Yes, yes. But yes. it is it does come with us fully giving ourselves to him. And I think you wanted to say something else too. I do want to say something. Wait a minute, hold on. Uh, yes, and there's another thing. I wanted to say when he was having communion, I love this. I'm going to go over it again because it just blows blows me away. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And like we just said, he gave us his broken body his broken body so that our body would be restored mm-hmm. and we are each members of his body. Okay. And you know, what's so beautiful is we all are fitly joined together into the body of Christ. When we become the Lord's, we do that by receiving this sacrifice that he paid for us so that we could be redeemed and have restored communion with him. And so every part of that body is precious and we all have a function. And it's interesting because we all work together. But there's only one head to that body and that head is Christ. And if you look at your own body and think about Mm -hmm. this in communion, our body doesn't even think to uh, 
function on its own. It all works together as one and takes all the commands from the head. Mm-hmm. And that makes us the body of Christ and perfect in Christ. Yeah. Well, you know, and that makes me think that what you were just saying, if we are Christ's body and Christ was sinless, right? Yes. Then we too, that's why we are called to be without spot or, or blemish, yes. right? Yes. We. That's why when I say we are joined to the Lord, we are one spirit with him. You can't be joined to the Lord like cement, right? And you walk this way and he walk that way. Right. That doesn't work. Mm -mm. And so that's why it's so, it's, it's so important that when you truly give your life to Christ, that that communion stays because otherwise we're walking off in our own way. And it reminds me of second Corinthians chapter six. Sorry. There's one of those little planes. You guys have so many little planes out here in Alaska. (laughs) I know. Um, but anyway, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the, the whole area that talks about how we yoke ourselves. Yes. Well, think about that, Karen. It says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, do, I'm going to read this out of the Tree of Life version, which is a Messianic um, Bible. So it's going to have Hebrew words and stuff. But do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What harmony does Messiah have with Belial? Or what part does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement does God's temple have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, we are his body. We are his body. And then it says, I will dwell in them and walk among them. So he's now dwelling in us because we are eating. It's like eating that whole roasted lamb, right? From Exodus 12. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, and this is huge for all of us, Mm -hmm, this whole, mm -hmm. when you think of communion, come out from among them and be separate, says Adonai. Touch no unclean thing, then I will take you in. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. Therefore, since we have these promises, loved ones, Let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of body and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And that is one of the key things that happened at the Last Supper in Jesus' death and resurrection is the cleansing. The blood bought us and restored communion. And but the the cleansing now comes in with the washing of us, this cleansing from sin, and that water. And that's why I think you're going to mention something about yeah. the water here. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. That's why this whole uh, being washed clean by Christ, the washing of the water of His Word, so to speak, which the Bible says, but the blood that buys us and also and cleanses he, us. And He is the Word. And he is the word. Yes. So anyway, to reiterate also on that, Carol, uh, with the cleansing, the cleansing of the water, if you think about it, okay, it also is a, um, it says there are three that testify in heaven and there's three that testify on the earth. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's right up there. And it says, uh, okay. Right here. Uh, believe, keep, okay. Keep your see. glasses on. Oh. Well, we'll see what we can do here. Messiah Yeshua is the one who came by water and blood, 
not by water only, but also by water and blood. The Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are one. Think about that. If we accept men's testimony, God's testimony is greater, for this is the testimony that God has given us about his Son, the one who trusts in him, in the Lord, has the testimony in himself, and the one who does not trust in God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God had given about his Son. And the testimony is this, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The one who has the Son has life, and the one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And this is powerful, and that's Mm -hmm. key. So Jesus made all this example for us that he was going to redeem us, restore us, and commune with us again through the blood of the sacrifice of the pure Lamb of God. And it was also, he set up the tabernacle back then, Mm -hmm. Carol, uh, to give us another picture. And when you study the tabernacle, which is just remarkable, the first thing you do is you have to go through a door. You can't just believe in God to take away sins. You have to literally trust and ask him to do it. He's already done it. But there's something on your part. You have to walk through the door and literally ask God to forgive you those sins. And in the temple and the tabernacle, there was a door. And when you walked in, before you was a brazen altar where they did the sacrifices of the lamb upon that altar. And that was the cross that Jesus was basically. It's a shadow. A of shadow Jesus. of the cross yeah. of that mm-hmm. sacrifice, that ultimate sacrifice it's the blood for us. That needed to be shed first. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But then there was something else. Mm-hmm. There was right behind that bronze altar was a bronze laver, and which it was a place where the priest had to wash between sacrificial offerings. And there, 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 it was mirrored so that they could see to see if they were clean. And so God is showing us that it's not just by the blood of believing in him and trusting in him, which is the ultimate, but there's also the cleansing. He's, he's wanting us to stay cleansed. And that is through the water, which comes through baptism in a death and a resurrection. And also that he's telling us we are body, soul, and spirit. And all of us uh, are being sanctified. Yeah. And the blood, like, that is what purchases us out of the kingdom of darkness. And transfers us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So the blood is uh, more precious than silver and gold that perish that perishes because it is the ultimate payment that yes. he made for our our living beings, our souls to yes. come out of darkness. But then he cleans us up yes. and he washes us clean. And then we stay washed through the regeneration of his spirit and his word. Yes. And the spirit, that spirit of truth testifies to yes, this. That's amazing. And that's why when you go back to the last supper, what does it say? He goes down and he starts to wash Peter's feet. And Peter says, 
you shall never wash my feet. And what does Jesus say? If I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Wow, that's good, isn't it? And that is a continued picture, not just the bread and him the, being the bread mm-hmm. of life, and the but blood. the blood that was poured yes. out, but the washing that must take place for all of us. Yes. And it all of it is a picture of this powerful union. Yes. That yes. we have with Christ. That's right. why my pastor, when he taught on that last week, he had those three words. Remember. So go back to the Old Testament right. and remember how it was. Remember right. that it was perfection at one point, right. but it was broken. Presently receive. So receive um, what Christ has yes, done. Receive him as your bread of sacrifice. life. Receive Amen. the blood. Receive the cleansing. But then rejoice yes. as you look forward, because I think you read that in Luke 22, where um, he talks about, I will not celebrate this with you again until I'm in my kingdom, yes. right? Yes. And if you ever participate in a Seder meal, you you do drink these cups. And the last cup is a picture of that, this cup of redemption. Yes. And so it is all such a powerful picture it what really Christ is. did. It really, yeah. really is. And I you gotta talk about I it. I love the whole picture too about um us as as he created us. He gave us a body, he gave us a soul, and he gave us a spirit. And through the blood of Christ, he totally redeemed, he totally redeemed our spirit man. He totally redeemed it. And throughout our time on this earth, uh, because we are redeemed and we are his, there's also, like Carol was saying, that washing. And that is called sanctification. And that's where you are always getting cleaned. You're always bringing those situations that, uh, because we still have a body, and the body is precious to the Lord. we confess our sins, and and we, we get clean. And we get clean. Yeah. Okay. So the ultimate is, like Carol said, the blood, when you get saved with all your heart, you've believed in him and you've received him and confessed and repented of your sin, you are forgiven because he already paid for that on that cross for you. But then as soon as that happens, there is the sanctification of just everyday life, your soulish man, you know, your thoughts and things that'll come in that you just confess and you you have the power of the Lord to bring those into check and to be able to put that in, under your feet. And then the very last thing that we will receive is a brand new body, brand yeah. new. So it is a powerful, powerful journey that God gave us. But the whole thing is about this. The Lord from the very beginning when he made his first creation of man and woman desired intimacy and fellowship and deep communion with them. And we are his body, the fullness of him. He is our head and we are the fullness of him that fills all in all. And that's why this is so important because the body is us. And we move together as a body. We each have different gifts. We each have different parts. We we each have a place in that body. And that's why the love is so important. Because the love covers the multitude of sin. And the love is the perfectness that bonds all this together. 
And when we love one another, we're taking care of the body and everything that's involved with it. And we go ahead, Carol. What does it say? Is it in John or something where it says um, it's it's the love between us that is going to testify to the world that, that we Christ are, is in us, yes, that, that, that we are Christ's body? Because yes. that's the thing as we close. That's the bottom line. Yes. If we are not in unity as a body, thank you. That whole communion is disrupted because we are his body. Right. And so the world will know that Christ that the Father sent him when we are one. Yes. And I can't remember off the top of my head where that verse is, but yes. it's just a powerful verse. So we hope that this blessed you because oh yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to say one yeah. thing. Forgiveness. Okay, when we are about ready to take communion, when the Lord gave us the Last Supper, there was one thing that we always do is to check our heart to make sure there is no sin or unforgiveness toward anyone that we respectfully and holy in a holy way take this communion, this preciousness of Christ that he gave us through the sacrifice of his own body, that we confess our sin if there's anything against anyone that we have forgive them well you have that that scripture well matthew 5 um sorry if you guys hear us flipping around but matthew 5 23 therefore if you are presenting your offering upon the altar so your offering every day we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice unto him whatever you're doing to serve the lord but you remember that your brother has something against you Leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. And so that's the whole thing because it's all about communion. Communion. It's all about healthy internal unity yes. between the body of Christ. Yes. And he is our head. And yes. so, you know, as the head and, goes, so goes the and body. And so that's exactly right. And mm-hmm. so this fulfills this. Jesus said... He had two commandments that all the commandments were hanging on, and that was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. Amen. And so when we are loving our body and taking care of our body, then we are joined with Christ, and we are he is our head. Body we, is the body of Christ. The body is the mm-hmm. body of Christ, mm-hmm. and he is our head. And isn't that beautiful? Anyway, those were little pieces yep. that we had. Well, we're sorry this went long, but we just wanted to talk a bit. And there was so much that we went into last night that we really didn't, I don't think, dig dig into today. But it was just enough to give you a beautiful picture of restoration all the way from the garden and the Passover lamb into Jesus being our true Passover lamb and just the beauty that... um, that was in all of that. Yes. And it's powerful. I and also by his spirit. It. Yeah. And that you got so much out of it. Yeah. All God right. We love you. you guys. Thanks for joining us. Yes. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.